When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric here to let you know that my podcast, Next Question with me, Katie Couric, is back for its second season. I'll be diving into some big issues like this country's devastating maternal mortality rate, the rise of astrology, and a little thing called the presidential election. Listen to Next Question. It comes out every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. And this is Molly. Molly, today, as you know, we are tackling the ever important question of how often should I wash my hair? I know. I've been pondering this for so long. Not really. But it does remind me of an interesting tidbit about a fellow How Stuff Works podcaster of ours um, from the wonderful stuff from the B-side. Mark Larson, co-host. Molly, Mark doesn't wash his hair. I know. I've heard this about Mark Larson. He also, do you know how long it's been since he washed his hair? Give it to me. One year. Well, Molly, I wouldn't have guessed, though, that Mark didn't wash his hair unless I had actually asked him about it because he has pretty nice hair. Yeah, you would never, it's not like he's the greasy kid of how stuff works. Mm, he doesn't smell weird <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like you said, if he hadn't told us about his no poo movement, which is a movement that many people have adopted recently, this idea that you don't use shampoo, you know, we would have never known that he was the kid who didn't wash his hair. Yeah, it kind of started off as a joke between him and another coworker here at How Stuff Works. They were going to see if they could do just like natural hygiene type of stuff. And Mark just kept it up for a year. And what he does uh, in a nutshell is I think every couple of weeks or so he does a baking soda and vinegar rinse, which he said was very, uh, very exhilarating for his scalp, very refreshing. And other than that, I think that's it. Yeah, he said it changed his life. Yeah. No more buying shampoo. But he is so polite because he does leave an, an, uh, a bottle of shampoo in his shower for guests. Oh, that is sweet. Yeah, he's, he's at least thinking about the the non-no-poo-ers. <laughs> well, you should um, listen to now stuff from the B-sides knowing that you're listening to someone who hasn't washed his hair. Crazy. But, you know, if I were to hear that, okay, Mark doesn't wash his hair, I would think, oh, he's a guy, whatever. Kristen, you and I are ladies. We've got long, lustrous locks we need to be caring for. Like, this no-poo thing is not going to work for us. Not necessarily, Molly, because Americans might actually wash their hair too much. According to a story on NPR, Americans wash their hair an average of 4.9 times every week, and that's twice as often as Italians and Spaniards. But that study was put out by a shampoo maker, and I think Italians and Spaniards, you know, maybe we see them as a little greasy. Well, <laughs> That's an odd way of putting it. 
Um, but you know, Kristen, we weren't always at this healthy 4.59 times a week of shampoo. Mm-hmm. Actually, there was this column in the New York Times in 1908 in which the column said, is it okay to wash your hair every two weeks? Because at that time, women were only washing their hair about once a month. Wow. Yeah. It, basically, shampoo, like many things in a woman's life, has all been fed to us by marketing. Yeah. Something that we need to do to make ourselves like attractive women. Um, but like we mentioned earlier, there is this thing called the no poo movement that's been um, gaining speed recently. And there are two main reasons why people are considering tossing the shampoo. And the first one of those is um, environmental reasons. Uh, people wanting to reduce the amount of plastic products that they use. And also, Molly, there are just kind of some, some bad ingredients in a lot of common shampoos, right? Yeah. Uh, if you look at the ingredient list, you've got silicone for shine, sodium lauryl sulfate, preservative technologies such as parabens, and parabens have been linked to breast tumors, breast cancer. So a lot of people just don't want to put this stuff in their hair anymore. And like you said, from a plastic standpoint, you don't want plastics in the environment. And even like the best shower gel is going to take 800 years to fully wash away. Like it's really not good for the environment, our showering habits. Right. So... Uh, we have all of these weird chemicals that we're using on a daily basis that, that might not be the best thing for our bodies. And then on the other side, we, we have hair follicles that are specially equipped to kind of do a little bit of cleaning work on their own. Uh, the stuff that makes our hair and our faces actually uh, look greasy is an oil called sebum. And our hair follicles excrete sebum. And it's, uh, it's pretty important for our hair. But when we sort of feel that grease in our hair, we want to wash it, get it out. But the fact of the matter is, by getting it out, the sebum follicles just sort of put more out there. They kind Mm -hmm. of go into overdrive. They're like, must produce sebum. And so even hairdressers say that to keep those oil glands under control... You shouldn't be activating them so much with all the shampooing. Yeah, and that explains why a lot of people will have to use a conditioner as well as a shampoo because we're pretty much stripping the hair of the sebum and then having to artificially replace moisturizer in our hair because sebum is really important. It's it's an oil that protects our hair shafts from breaking. It keeps our scalp in good conditions and gives our hair that lustrous shine that that we love so much. So the thought is, is if you don't constantly wipe out the sebum, then your hair kind of reaches a state of perfect equilibrium. Is mm-hmm. that right, Kristen? Yeah, I think it's after a couple of weeks of not shampooing, these sebum production levels kind of balance out and it, it, your hair doesn't get more and more greasy. It just produces as much as it needs to. Which doesn't, I mean, you know, from my personal experience, just doesn't seem it could be true. If I don't I mean, I'm I'm going to admit, I'm an everyday hair washer. I am too, Molly. And if I don't wash my hair, my scalp feels really greasy. I can't make it to that third day. But Molly, it might have to do with the texture of our hair. I don't know about you, but I have pretty fine hair. And uh, fine hair is often oilier than people with thicker, coarser hair because we actually have more hair follicles across our scalp. And each hair follicle has two or three oil glands. So since we have more hair follicles, we have more oil glands, so we have more sebum being excreted into our hair. So that might be why after like a day and a half, especially if I exercise, sweat a lot, my hair, I mean, it just feels like a helmet on my head. Yeah, there's definitely, this is not a one-size-fits-all prescription. Um, there's a lot of variation among hair types, like Kristen was saying, and curly hair um, in particular can go longer between washes. People, African-Americans can go longer between washes, according to an article, this NPR story we were talking about. 
But I do want to play devil's advocate. We were reading this New York Times article about, you know, not shampooing the no poo. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're interviewing a, a scientist who studies hair and scalp issues. His name was Philip Kingsley. And he said of people who went for the non-shampoo method that these people have just gotten used to the fact that their hair is greasy and dirty, so they don't notice anymore. Well, what would Mark Larson say about that? I think Mark Larson would disagree, and I'd back him up on that. Mark, Mark, Mark's hair looks looks pretty great. But uh, you don't just have to use these homeopathic um, shampoo replacements. There are also dry shampoos that a lot of higher end, um, hair, hair care companies are starting to come out with now. Like, I think you just spray it like on your roots and it sort of soaks up the, the excess oil. If you don't actually want to have to go through the process of washing and then blow drying your hair. Cause I have a feeling that people who are blow drying their hair every day, like me are doing added damage to it. In addition to just stripping all that sebum from the hair. And it's a waste of time. It just, it saves so much time. I know Molly, but doesn't our hair look great? You do look great today, Kristen. Thank you, Molly. Really, I appreciate that. So if you're concerned, you should probably just ask your hairstylist. Your hairstylist can see all the damage that's going into your hair, what it might need, etc. Ask them how often you should shampoo your hair. Yeah, but take it from a fellow podcaster. You could try the no poo. Try the no poo. The no poo could work for you. <laughs> oh, Kristen, I smell a sponsorship in your future. <laughs> and if you do want to try out some of these natural recipes on our site, How Stuff Works, we've got an article called How to Make Your Own Beauty Products. And there's a whole section on making your own hair care products. And I think you'll need a lot of egg whites and vinegar on hand. Yeah, the ingredient list is, if you're if you're on the fence about no poo, I don't know that it's going to convince you because I was a little scared by some of the ingredients. But we do have it at HowStuffWorks.com. So Molly, before we close out this episode, uh, we have some listener email yes. to read, right? Yes. So I'm going to start off with an email from our listener, Joseph, who wrote in and said, The problem to me is less one of gender differences than one of learning differences. Instead of separating boys and girls, separate students based on their learning style. This way, a teacher would be able to have a class of students with the same learning style, such as visual learners, and tailor the class towards that. Then he went on to say, The gender differences that were brought up in this research harken back to Victorian-era gender roles. When gender roles are essentialized, it is as much about innate differences as a reinforcement of socially inscribed roles. Very interesting. Pretty interesting perspective. And we have an email from Leah that kind of follows up on that point, takes it a little bit of a step further. Leah wrote, when discussing this issue, we should also remember that gender is not necessarily binary anymore. There are more gender differences than just female and male. So, what would the hermaphrodite, transsexual, or ambiguously gendered students do in this situation? This will likely put them in a very awkward and confusing place. Very interesting. Very true. And now, Molly, to close things out, we have an email from an actual real-life middle schooler <laughs> who was listening to it and had um, her own perspective to add to it. She, Her name is Rainier, and she is 13 years old and attends a public school. And she wrote, I was listening to your podcast and just wanted to say that, frankly, school wouldn't be the same without boys in my classes. A lot of the boys I know aren't really annoying. Crude and loud, maybe, but nice and smart, too. I don't really think that single-sex classrooms would be all that effective and not as much fun for us girls. Nice point, Rainier. Nice point. Yeah, I kind of want to go to school where she does, where all these nice and smart boys are. But sometimes crude and loud. Sometimes. But still fun. Well, if you have any questions or comments about any of the podcasts you've heard, uh, send me or Molly an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair, but Pantene is changing that. Pantene's rosewater collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's rosewater collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.